Brought to you by the WZIP sports team, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. I didn't really plan to ask this, but since you brought it up, what's it like kind of having like your own meme? Like, how does that make you feel? <laughs> Exclusive original content. He crosses paths with another best in the world. Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Over well, I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise the <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of SPT Overtime. Once again, we are talking about the USFL because we are already through the halfway point of this season. My name is Dan Groen, and I am going to be the host of the show today. And as always, I am joined by Pat Weber. Go Breakers. Go Breakers. And just joining us for the first time on SBT Overtime, Matt Premuka. Spring football, baby. Spring football. Yes. Yes. This is like God's gift to man is football in the spring. I know, man. I get like I get to like flip through spring football, flip the channel, watch Tiger on the PGA. Like on weekends, Chef's Kiss. Yes, chef's kiss. right now flip it's through everything. I mean, you've got kiss. you've got the NBA playoffs right now, hockey playoffs right now. You got the MLB. Yes. You've got spring football. You've got Tiger, the goat of golf. It's exactly what I was gonna say. We are like in the the equinox of. Uh, sports right now. Because I can yeah. safely say this might be the first time that the NFL has not like actually ran a portion of the season because of how much stuff that is going on right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is an incredible time of year. And that's almost kind of the thing about the USFL is because there's so much other other stuff going on. I feel like they would be better if they were to be playing in the summer, if they're mm-hmm. if the league maybe started in May or or June. And then ended about just in time for the NFL preseason to start. But right. either way, we've had some pretty incredible football from the USFL. I've been impressed with a lot of the games, uh, a lot of good players out there. Uh, first, we're going to take a look at the standings. Um, so right now in the North Division, the New Jersey Generals are leading at 4-1, and one, followed by the Philadelphia Stars at 2-3. and three. And then the Michigan Panthers and the Pittsburgh Maulers are both one and four. Uh, in the South Division, we have the Birmingham Stallions going. They're the only undefeated team left at five and zero. Oh. The New Orleans Breakers at three and two, followed by the Tampa Bay Bandits, who are also three and two. And then sitting in last place, all by them themselves, is the Houston Gamblers at one and four. So when we look at the standings here. I think it's safe to say, Dan, um, you're never wrong on our predictions yeah. at the beginning, especially in the North, because, <laughs> wow, um, I thought the Generals and the Stars would be the two worst teams in Oof. the entire league. Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was wrong. I also thought that uh, the Stallions would be the second worst team in the South. I was wrong. But isn't it oh. a little interesting how the only team that has a home fan base is undefeated? I'm yeah. I'm just saying that they're, well, no, yeah. they're playing in Birmingham. The only tech, the technically the only home, true home team in this league is the mm-hmm. only undefeated team. The only I, game that's saying. any that's getting any attendance in that stadium. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the rest of them they just look like when I was playing JV high school football. That's, <laughs> that's what the stadium looks like. It does. You know, like, There's nobody you can, there. You can point out your mom, you know, your aunt, your uncle, and then it's like to be fair yeah, to them, it's just bleachers. To be fair to them, it is difficult to like pull attendance from other cities because. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest, if if you're a Breakers fan, you're probably from New Orleans. Do you really yeah. want to go from New Orleans to Birmingham? Or if, like, you're a Mahlers fan, do you want to go from Pittsburgh to Birmingham for, like, one weekend to watch a game? Yeah, with all or, due respect to Birmingham, Alabama, you're really not much of a travel destination. <laughs> and I say that yeah. fully aware I did actually look up tickets from one time. Akron, Ohio. <laughs> I, I did look up tickets when they had a uh, thing going on. If you wore your college to the game, you get, like, a little USFL care package. Dude, airfare there is ridiculous, too. I think for, like, a three-day trip, it was, like, for round trip was like one thousand dollars to fly down there. And I wow. was like, you know what? I'm cool on spending a thousand dollars to go to a football game that's gonna cost me ten dollars. Yeah, small like small yeah. airport. I mean, like, you know, scarcity. Yeah. Just save expensive. your money and uh wait for the playoffs to come here wait to Canton. For them to come to Canton yes, where sir. we watch the Breakers yes, take sir. on the Generals and the Breakers win. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we'll we'll give our uh, Breakers. Yeah, we'll give our uh, playoff predictions 
in a little bit there, but you kind of answered my question. Like, are there any surprises or yeah, things that you got right um, with the standings? Uh, I think the only thing that I got right was saying that Houston wasn't going to be great. I yeah. did think they would be one of the worst teams, especially in the South. So I got mm-hmm. that right. Mm-hmm. As for the Breakers, I thought we'd be better off at this point in the year, but floating around one or two in the South is where I had us. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I would like for us to be better than three and two. There's been some games that we've dropped because Kyle Slaughter looks like a mix of Jameis Winston and Baker Mayfield. Um, mm. Makes me cry a little bit inside, but it's okay. We'll bounce back, I hope. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, the, the one team that really stands out to me is the Michigan Panthers because they looked like one of the most talented teams heading into the season. They seem to be one of the most popular teams in that. And right now they only have one win on the whole year. And for as good as that quarterback tandem is. Paxton Lynch and Shea Patterson. Yeah, for as good as they are to for fair, USFL. For, yeah, say, okay, okay. We're, we're not talking like the NFL. For the USFL, that is very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, they have not performed at all. They have been, it's been a ghost town over there. And I don't know what because, they're doing. And it's because of that offensive line that I think they're one of the most sacked quarterbacks uh, in the league. And I, I remember watching a few games early on the season and just thinking they just have absolutely no help. I mean, you know, you can blame Shea Patterson all you want. I, I wouldn't but, really, you can't, if your offensive line can't hold up to it, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. going into this, I also said I liked Michigan's offensive line. Yeah, and I was mm-hmm. wrong about that. Yeah, my predictions were horrible to start off, but yeah, their offensive line just crumbles so easily under pressure. So it's like you're giving your quarterback no time at all. Right. So it, it really, what can they do? And that's you can't well, do anything except just throw it away and pray somebody gets it. Yeah. Or just get sacked, one or the other. And that was kind of just a thing with all of these Jeff Fisher teams, even going back to the NFL. He kind of just had this, like, inability to adapt on offense, and he likes a lot of, like, straight dropback, like, intermediate to long-developing passing concepts. And when he doesn't have the offensive line for it, you know, it, you see what's happening with Michigan right now. It's been like that his entire coaching career. He just has yeah. this inability to adjust with just the nuances of football. And you know mm-hmm. he has a really talented roster, and they are pretty—they're tied for last. It's awful. Yeah, and it's—it's it's just surprising to see that because you know you have a guy like Jeff Fisher who has Super Bowl experience. He's got the best resume of any coach in the USFL. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's just kind of shocking to see that they only have one win on the entire year, and I believe that was against the Pittsburgh Maulers, who might be the next worst team in the league they are definitely the worst they only won their uh first game yesterday and it was yep. against i believe it was against uh, houston, houston by one they won 21 to 20 walk off td baby walk off td yeah but i mean you've got to think that like going into that i mean mm-hmm. really i mean they were they were own three to that point or own four yeah. they had they had no wins like i even went to some of their instagram comments and i agree with their fan base They're like what are we doing right they have a decent roster on paper yeah. So it's like, what's going on? Is it the coaching problem, or is something just not clicking with the team chemistry? I think who a, knows. A lot of it with Pittsburgh's offense. What I get from it, Pittsburgh's offense, it's what casual Browns fans think Kevin Stefanski is with like personnel usage. Like, you know, like that's a big. Like, I'm not trying. Well, I'm going a little off the rails with the NFL comparisons here, <laughs> but like Pittsburgh. They love running 13 and 12 personnel, like three to like two or three tight end sets, and they just run it no matter what. They will get crowded eight, nine-man boxes. They will still run the ball. They don't let their quarterbacks throw. And it wasn't until really like uh, this past weekend where you actually started to see them open up the playbook ever so slightly, and shocker, they won because they, they, had, won. Some, they had some sort of dynamic aspect to their offense. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's kind of break down our power rankings here uh, for the uh, USFL um, just across the league. My number one team, uh, and this kind of goes without saying, is the Birmingham Stallions. They're the only undefeated team left, like I said. They've been playing like the best all-around team all season long, and they have home field advantage. So they're, to me, the clear-cut number one team in this league. Do you guys have anyone else as your number one at all? I'm running right with you with Birmingham. They're the only undefeated team, only team that actually can pull fans into that stadium right now, and they don't look like anybody is going to be able to stop them as of now. Yeah. 
uh, I could tell you I'd have someone else at the top of my power rankings, but I'd be lying to you. No, I got Stallions at one. Yep. Seems to be the clear-cut number one team. Uh, number two, I have the New Jersey Generals. Uh, they're a very run-heavy team. They got Trey Williams and Darius Victor, and DeAndre Johnson is also a very mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. And they average over 180 rush yards a game. They also have the most total yards per game with over 366. And they're pretty much ruling the North Division, despite us thinking it was going to go to Michigan. So mm-hmm. uh, anyone else have any – do you guys have anyone else for number two? I'm right with you on the generals. They also have, with their rushing, um, they have the uh, rushing touchdowns leader with Darius Victor. I would have put the Breakers above them, but they just beat the Breakers. Yeah. And quite honestly, they made what I thought in the Breakers was the best defense in the league. They made the Breakers defense look like a joke mm-hmm. that game, and their defense stepped up big, and now New Jersey looks to be honestly one of the most well-rounded teams. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I think they might be the most well-rounded team. The only thing is with the Stallions, their offense is just too high power mm-hmm. that they yeah. can outscore anybody. Uh, I also have New Jersey at number two, but I know you guys touched on their running game, so I'm going to actually go off the rails here. I'm going to talk about their passing game. I love how they use their run to set up uh, like their play-action attack. I think it's a lot like Sean McVay with the L.A. Rams. Well, they'll go with like 11 personnel with like one tight end. They'll go in spread formations, and they'll just run outside zone to death, like death by a 1,000 cuts. And right when uh, defenses start giving them – They'll bring a safety in the box or they'll show pressure. They will hit right over the top with some sort of deep play action pass. I love just how well-rounded and how well-designed this is. It's like watching like a, like I'm trying to think of like a spread offense in college, but more like a Lane Kiffin spread offense Mm -hmm. where it's like outside zone and RPOs to death. It is. I, I love watching their offense. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, I got New Orleans breakers here. Uh, They have the best offense in the league, at least in terms of uh, yards per game, I believe. Uh, Kyle Slaughter. Is it Kyle Slaughter or Slaughter? I think it's Kyle Slaughter. I mean, I've been calling him Kyle Slaughter. Yeah, we'll we'll just run with that for a consistency He's been ticking me off a little bit the past couple of games. Slaughter sounds cooler. Yeah, Yeah, he's also been making me mad with his decision-making the past two games. (laughs) But, yeah, (laughs) I mean, he, he does have a lot of interceptions and... Kind of like what you were saying, he reminds me so much of Jameis Winston, where his numbers are great, but he also that also comes with the downside of having so many interceptions. Uh, but he's leading the league in most passing categories here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have the league's leading rusher in Jordan Ellis. They have an outstanding receiver room with Jonathan Adams and Johnny Dixon, who I've been very impressed with. And plus they got uh, Sal Canella at tight end, who's been super impressive. And... They just need to eliminate those mistakes and play a little more consistently, and I think they can be uh, one of the best teams in the league. Oh, most definitely. I, Agreed. I have, I have New Orleans at number three on my rankings, too, and I think they're kind of the antithesis of Pittsburgh, uh, whereas, like, New Orleans, they go out gunslinging. Like, if if mm-hmm. they go for the jugular every single drop back, and, I, you know, it, you do see a lot of it with, like, Jameis Winston. That's, like, that's the offenses he's run in the league. Uh, Baker Mayfield, to an extent, when he had uh, Todd Haley and Freddie Kitchens in his first two years. Uh, don't remind me of those years. <laughs> oh, sorry about that, but you know, <laughs> but like that—that's how it is. Like you know, it's you're see. I just love how this league. You see so many different variations of how to play football, and that's like one thing that keeps me coming back every every weekend. Yeah, I completely agree. Of course, I have my Breakers at number three. <laughs> love the Breakers. Um, not only is their offense good, our their defense is phenomenal as well. They have the second. Uh, highest in sacks in the entire league, being led by uh, Davin Bellamy. I mean, dude's he's insane. Yeah, I don't even know. Like I said, I've been I've been impressed by our defense, not so much by Kyle Slaughter the past couple of games. Mm-hmm. Other than the issues that Kyle Slaughter's having, the Breakers deserve to be number three again. I still think they're gonna win the championship. At least I hope so. Yeah. So. All things positive for the Breakers, except Kyle Slaughter. Please figure it out. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Matt, uh, did you yeah. have a favorite NFL or favorite USFL team? You know, like, if, as far as rooting interests go, not particularly. But if I'm talking like I want something like aesthetically pleasing to me as like a football fan, I just love watching a well-run New Jersey Generals offense. I just mm-hmm. like just chef's kiss all around. I know I've talked about their offense a bit now, but I just 
love how dynamic and just how yeah just i don't like logistical i'm not i'm trying to think like just like how like wet like when they pass it is like just designed perfectly and it it's like i i'm i'm i think I, they have some I'm of the best my coaching here so, so, <laughs> so, so take over nah, yeah I, know I think the generals definitely have i think they might be the best coach team in the league they run like a well-oiled machine yeah. like mm-hmm. truthfully i mean the stallions have had some close games but the generals really they really haven't like if, if they're in mm-hmm. the lead they're taking it like yeah they're gonna do whatever it takes they've come back for some <clears throat> from some pretty big deficits too because of how well the team chemistry there is and Honestly, I might I would want to see them in the championship now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said that at the beginning. I would love to see the the generals um if they had Mike Weber, which I I'm not still sure think where they, he is. I think he's I think might he's be, still on their roster, but I I think he's stashed in the practice squad. Yeah, I think he is. Which really surprises me because he had a lot of talent, you know, going yeah. back to Ohio State. Yeah. So, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't he isn't getting at least some touches now, but then again, that whole offense super run heavy. They got some really good running backs in there. Maybe he would just benefit from another system where he could uh, have a little more uh, playing time, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, So number four, I have the Tampa Bay Bandits. Uh, they're pretty average to below average in most of the categories. Uh, they've been kind of underwhelming, uh, at least for me. I thought they were going to be like one of the best teams. I think I had them in the top two in the South, but they're still above 500, and... You know that I, I can't really put them below any of the other teams, so I have them sitting at four. What yeah, do you I guys think of you. them? I agree with you on that. Um, it's kind of hard. You can't really like drop them down anymore because that would just be flat out disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Because moving past them, it's actually getting into like the bottom tier. Yeah, mm-hmm. teams of the league. I mean, when you look, I mean, three of the four bottom tier teams are all in the north. So, yeah. and which we did kind of talk about on the last episode that we knew the North was going to be weak mm-hmm. compared to the South, but I didn't know it was going to be this much of a drop off yeah. from where second place in the South is the breakers. They're three and two where second place in the North is the stars and they're two and three. Yeah. Yeah. I also have uh Tampa Bay at four. Like Dan, we're just going, we're just going down the, I promise we didn't play in this beforehand. <laughs> we tend to agree a little too much up here. We need, kinda, we need some more uh... scary. We just, I don't know. I think we could disagree more if the North wasn't so bad. <laughs> yeah. 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 Some more parody would be nice, but I don't know. I, you know, t- like Tampa, they're kind of just like saltine crackers. They're kind of just there. <laughs> like they, exi- there. I mean, there's nothing special about them. I mean, like <laughs> they're above 500. <laughs> The saltine crackers. That'd be a good nickname for <laughs> them. Got, yeah. Yeah. I, I like Jordan Tayamu. That's, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like they're they're ugh. they're just kind of eh, you know. They're just, and eh. they're just floating around. I mean. Yeah, and I, that's, that, that's really all. They're just kind of one of those teams. Like I feel the like saltine crackers. In they're the not SFL soup. Yeah, they're not horrible, but like they're not great. Yeah, they're just there. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about the Philadelphia Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the only thing I can think about when I see that that stupid red or yellow Dude, star on those helmets. It, they look like they were sponsored by some fast food chain. And It really does. It, it really does. Oh, Not to mention that they have the worst mascot in the league, too. What's their mascot? I haven't Blob. Seen oh, yeah. Their mascot is Blob. I'm not kidding you. Philadelphia, it's, it's a red blob. Oh. Philadelphia sports mascots are something else. Abysmal. Oh. They, now, I'm not going to say Dave the Wave is any better because he looks like a toothpaste mascot, but, I mean, it's better than Blob. <laughs> he does. <laughs> not the bash Blob. But hey, like, hey, at least he's got a better name. He does have a – Dave dude, the Wave. Pablo's got a better name than him. Yeah. The Michigan Panthers mascot. Oh, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, but – um. Anyway, go, <laughs> going back to what I was saying was that <laughs> the Philadelphia Stars, as they're truly called – they're they're just kind of there too. It's like that they're doing a little better than I expected. I thought that maybe they would have one win at this point. I, I get I guess they're doing about as well as I would have expected. And Brian Scott has been pretty impressive, all things considered, except for the fact that he's been sacked eleven times, which leads the USFL Oof. in that category. So do you guys have anyone else at five, or is this uh, I, I trying to continue? I still got the stars. I mean, they're the okay. bandits of the north. They're just yeah. there. Of they're, the they're just they're just there. Like, 
They're just going to float around. They're not going to do anything. They're just kind of there. I mean, if they finish yeah. second, good for them. They'll probably still have a losing record, but yeah, they're just there. There's nothing special about them either. They're right. just they're just there with blob. Like, so, like, <laughs> and, like, the thing that just struggles about, like, the, the struggle of having only eight teams is, like, you, you have, like, this just dead space where they're not really good and they're not really bad, and you kind of just have to watch them. And yeah. It's just they're just stale. Like, like yeah. And because the season is so short, I believe it's only ten weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't really have a, a huge sample sample really, size yeah. there because. I mean, hopefully, if two and three. I mean, there's in, in the NFL that's still super early. You can't really judge a team on going two and like, three. But two and three now, it's like you're kind of already. Yeah, summing I mean, up how their season's the going. Season, yeah, so mm-hmm. right, so, you kind of have to be. It's a, it's a lot more like the college push, you know. Like yeah, yeah, in a way. Yeah, right. So, hopefully, this is where we start disagreeing on things, um, because we're at the bottom three, who all have the same record at uh, one and four. Yeah, I have at number six. The Michigan Panthers. Oh, come on, Dan. Ah. <laughs> come on. We're still. So agreeing? you guys are going to agree. I'm going to have to disagree. Okay. Oh, the Michigan Panthers. <laughs> finally. I'm surprisingly okay. Now hear me out on this. This is going to sound very surprising, but I'm going to put Pittsburgh up there. <laughs> no, hear me out on this. Okay. okay. Yes, they. Okay, if we're going stats wise, they are the worst team in the league. Mm-hmm. But they've also had, I think, one of the toughest schedules to start off with. Yeah. Plus. Nobody had any expectations for him this year. So the fact they only, I mean, yes, they just got their first win, but because they played well enough when they finally opened the playbook, like we touched on, yeah, I think that they're going to go up a little bit. I think that they still have a chance of possibly somehow finishing second. That's why I'm going to put them above Michigan and above wow. Houston because every game that they've played, I mean, they've only really been blown out in two games. The rest of the games they fought down to the last, like, two minutes of the game. Yeah, uh-huh. All their games are close. They hang in there with the tough teams. I think that they have more. I think the ceiling is higher for them than the other one and four teams. Yeah, I would have to agree in, in, with that. I have them at seven. Uh, Me too. <laughs> no, I that only, means we have a perfect eight for eight agreement. Of course no. we do. No. Darn. Okay. Well, I have them above Houston because of the fact that they have beat them head yeah, to head. Yeah, they just beat Houston. <laughs> and the the Maulers, they do have. That kind of that upside there where they do have the players that can make big plays when you need them, and they certainly did that against Houston. Uh, I guess the only reason I have Michigan up higher is because of that talent they have at QB and their defense that allows the fewest points in the league. They, I think their defense is kind of going a little um, underappreciated, but like I said, that offensive line is just terrible and has been preventing them from kind of hitting that upside that we were hoping we would see with Michigan Panthers. So I have them at six, Maulers at seven, and I have the Gamblers at eight, which is a shame because I really like a lot of the pieces they have on defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, They got Chris Odom, uh, Will Likely, Donald Payne, but they just leave so much to be desired on offense. Yeah, they do. I mean, I think we all are in agreement, except I would say we flipped the Maulers and the Panthers. Yeah. The reason I have the Panthers lower is because of how disappointing they've been this year. Yeah. That's the reason I have them lower is you've got the talent at QB. There's no reason you shouldn't have a better record. Oh, yeah. And then, I, I mean, yeah, Houston, you deserve to be last. I'm they sorry. Do. You you really do. They do. I feel bad for Houston. They're I feel really, like, like they're I think ins- they won the first game of the season. Well, I mean, like, just look at Houston sports as a whole right now. They got the Rockets they're going. They got the Rockets going nowhere. <laughs> they got to bring out Davis Mills. Uh, the Astros. Hey, are, don't be disrespecting Davis Mills. I, up here. I will say the Astros are fine. To start off the season, the Gamblers did win, and they have not won a game since Week One, and they beat Ooh. Michigan oh. in Week One. <laughs> okay, there, there it is. Yeah. So and they won seventeen to twelve. So oh, real barn yeah, burner. There. there are unanimous last seed in our power rankings. Uh, so we we kind of briefly touched on all the teams as a whole. Let's talk about some of the players that we've been impressed by the most. Um, I guess we can go through each of the different teams. Uh, for the Stallions, I have wide receiver Victor Bolden. He's got 832 all-purpose yards and 577 return yards, which leads the USFL in both those categories. I think he's been one of the reasons they've been so outstanding this year. Oh, very much so. When you get a player as dynamic as that, it really opens up the playbook to a whole lot of things. Just 
you see it you see it a lot with like how like Sean McVay uses Cooper Cup. You can use him in a very similar similar role. You can line him up in the backfield, put him in the slot, put him out wide. Yeah. Let him return. Like, you know, you have a Swiss Army knife right there. It's great for Birmingham. Yeah. I agree. I also had Victor Bolden, but for the sake of not agreeing. <laughs> ah, yes. My second uh player that I have for the Stallions that I've been a big fan of this year is Carrie, uh, I believe it's Agline? Agline? I don't really know how to say his last name. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's, it's their tight end. And he's been playing very well. He's been like the safety valve for them. Mm-hmm. He's got nine receptions, 152 yards, only one touchdown, but we just at the halfway point. Normally you don't see tight ends get that many touchdowns unless you're like Travis Kelsey or somebody. Yeah. Nine receptions but, through five games, though? Well, I mean, he's like the safety valve for okay. him, though. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he's always yeah. there. He's always yeah. ready to catch it. And the fact that it's 9 for 152, that's still pretty good for a tight end. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. So I think he's been a huge factor and a huge reason why the Stallions are 5-0. and Because if you have that safety valve tight end to go to, mm-hmm. you're more than likely going to succeed. Because if you just need to throw a check down every now and then, he's right there and he's answered the call for the Stallions. Yeah, yeah. I'd have to agree. Uh, so for the New Jersey Generals, uh, running back Darius Victor, five rush touchdowns, 4.7 yards of carry. That's about as good as you would want a running back to be, especially in this league. Uh, he's the one that I've been most impressed with with the Generals. Do you guys have anyone else there? I've been most impressed by DeAndre Johnson. Ooh, because yeah. he was not the starting quarterback Ooh. to start the season. Mm-hmm. He was the backup for uh, Luis Perez. And then I think Perez went down with an injury in week one, and they put in DeAndre Johnson, and he has been outstanding yes. for the Generals since then. His mobility, hes I think he might be the best dual-threat quarterback in the USFL. He's got great mobility. He's got a great arm. His decision-making is unlike any other. He's got the weapons. He's like he's the Michael proven. Vick of the USFL. Exactly. So... I have to go with DeAndre Johnson for the Generals. Well, you guys took both of my picks, but <laughs> <laughs> but I think they complement each other very well. Like I've alluded to before, they can spread it out, and they will run wide zone to death, and then as soon as the defense loads the box, they hit you over the top. They are It's such it's a match made in heaven for New Jersey, and I don't see a defense that can really shut them down. No. Definitely one of the best uh, pre- or the best run team there is in the league mm-hmm. uh so for the breakers there have been a lot of players that i've liked i mean namely because they are my team go um, breakers go breakers uh but and also kind of the homer in me is going to choose wide receiver from the ohio state university johnny dixon 237 yards four touchdowns which i believe also leads the league uh in touchdowns he's been very outstanding for the breakers and a very reliable red zone target there uh, do you guys have anyone else? I think my personal favorite and also the person that I've been the most happy with has been uh, Vontez Diggs or Vontae Diggs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he only has one interception on the year, but he's one of the most lockdown corners that you can ask for in this league. Yeah. I believe he has given up um, some of the fewest amount of yards. Mm-hmm. He's got a great, he's got great hand-eye coordination. He's always got his eye on the ball. He always can read the pass perfectly. I think he's the best um corner in the league yeah i just gotta go with Vontae diggs yeah the definition of a shutdown corner he also had the first pick six in usfl history (laughs) just saying record books baby yeah oh no i just have new orleans passing game as a whole i know uh, slaughter's leading the league in most passing categories you know they they are a very vertical heavy offense they love pushing the ball down the field all the receivers are on the same page it seems like and even when you know a turnover occurs that they're able to shake it off really quick and just get back out there and keep going. You know, just really fun offense to watch. Yeah, absolutely. For the Tampa Bay Bandits, I have uh, quarterback Jordan Tayamu. Honestly, his stats don't look spectacular, but he still looks like that athletic star that he was uh, with the St. Louis Battlehawks of mm-hmm. the XFL. Um, they've The Bandits have kind of been a little underwhelming for me. Uh, but I am impressed with how he plays. So do you guys have anyone else for Tampa? I've been a big fan of Christian Sam, one of their uh, defensive linemen. Um, He right now has 33 tackles with 21 solos and 12 assisted. Nice. He is like the only person they've got on defense right now, Mm -hmm. like whatsoever, because it's kind of a drop-off from there. 
I mean, I guess for them also, Emmanuel Beal is also up there. But in terms of solo tackles, it's a huge drop-off. Yes, Beal has 31 tackles, but only 17 solo, 14 assisted. Where, like I said, um, Christian Sam, he's got 21 solo tackles. Number one in solo tackles. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. got to give it to him. Got to give him the respect he deserves for putting up with the worst team in the entire USFL. Yeah. Well, Dan, shocker. We agree again. Ah, come we on. We agree again. You know, Jordan Teamo, he was my best prospect going into this league's fantasy draft. Like, like, was it a fantasy draft? Is that the right word to call it? I, I would say so. Yeah, or we'll like call the, it um, the draft, the player yeah. draft. Yeah, we'll yeah. just call it the draft. Yeah, no, Teamo was my best uh, just prospect overall in this class. I really loved watching him at Ole Miss. And I, just, I think, the, think he's doing a pretty good job in Tampa Bay with what he has. Yeah. He's leading the Salty Packers to a playoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like the perfect place for him because he just hasn't really been able to kind of showcase that athleticism and talent at the NFL level, but he was outstanding with St. Louis uh, in the XFL, and now he is having some success here, so hopefully he can stick around for a while. By the way, before we go on, I do want to point out, yes, I did say Tampa Bay was the worst team in the league because that is New Orleans' rival. I did say it because uh, of okay. that. Uh, I didn't actually mean it stats-wise. I meant it because that is the Breakers' rival. Okay. Just, okay. just to clarify so nobody <laughs> nobody thinks that, like, oh, I thought they were the gamblers. No, I know what I said. Oh, because right. they, are, they are the rivals of the Breakers. I view them how I view Kent State, except a little less harsh. Please do not, yeah. compa- no, please do not compare a USFL rivalry. Yeah, listen, that's, just, that's just an listen. insult. Come on. No, I'm just saying it's a huge <laughs> rival. No, okay, so... Tampa Bay and New Orleans. didn't exist six months ago. <laughs> okay. No, if we're going way back in time. Okay, now I'm about to bring out the history books again. All right. All right. Okay, if we're going way back in time here. The USFL was around in the 80s. Yeah. Right? Donnie that was still a huge rivalry in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, Tampa Bay and New Orleans, always huge rivalry there. Yep. Oh, yeah. So that's still going to be a factor in this. Despite right. the fact that there are no fans to support that, I will support that. I will... Stand by the historic uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans rivalry. So anyway, going going back on track here, uh, talking about the Philadelphia Stars, the Saltine Crackers of the North. Um, <laughs> I have are. I have cornerback Channing Stribling, uh, probably the best the best ball hawk defender of the he's season. He's kind of like he runs with like a Trayvon Diggs. Yeah, in a way where like he's really good at getting interceptions. Mm-hmm. He's an all right corner outside of that, but yeah, I no, yeah. I, I do like it because he is a very good ball hawk in that way. Yeah. Like I said, he kind of runs me with Trayvon Diggs, where they're both phenomenal ball hawk corners. But yeah, if they can't get the ball, then it might be a toss up. Yeah, four interceptions and seven passes defensed. Uh, the numbers look good, I think, and he's come up clutch in games for them. So that's the reason I have them. I don't know if you guys have anyone else. Uh, for the stars, I'm gonna show some love. This is gonna surprise you. I'm showing some love to a special teams player okay. out here, Maurice Alexander, 408 returned yards. Wow, that's really good. That is good. That's pretty good. That's one of the best in the leagues. He's also a really good third string wide receiver for him, and he's been yeah. filling out the roster very nicely for the what'd you call him earlier? The Saltine Crackers of the North. The, uh, the Carl Hardys, Jr. And the Hardys. Carl Jr. Hardys yeah. of the Carl North. <laughs> also the Saltine Crackers and the Tampa Bay Bandits of the North. Yeah. So. Right. so for the Michigan Panthers, for as underwhelming as they've been, one player that really stands out to me, running back Reggie Corbin, averaging 84 yards a game, 6.3 yards per carry. That, to me, is super impressive for a running back in this league. Anyone else that you guys have for Michigan? You took the words right out of my mouth. All right. That's all I got to say. I have the entire roster for well, the entire roster except those that are under 300 pounds on offense. <laughs> Jeff Fisher <laughs> Jeff Fisher owes you guys an apology. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should not be this bad. Your offensive line, your offensive line says you should be this bad. But having an like a guy with that much experience, you shouldn't be one in four in a league with guys that just weren't even drafted. Just it blows my mind how bad Jeff Fisher is against terrible competition. <laughs> All right, so for the Pittsburgh Maulers, I have wide receiver Trey Walker, 65 receiving yards per game, second in the league in that category. Uh, I 
I think he's been one of their more. He's been one of their best clutch players that really helped him in uh, yesterday's game versus Houston. He's the one who I've been impressed with. You know, given that they don't have a whole lot to be impressed about on that team. Uh, who who do you guys have for Pittsburgh? I'm right on board with you with Trey Walker, but I'm also a big fan of Carlo Kemp, their defensive mm-hmm. end. Uh, he's got two and a half sacks. He's basically their defensive anchor. I think he's one of the best um, uh, defensive linemen in the league. I'm a big fan of him. All right, for for a team yeah. that's struggling, he's playing well, but it's not on him that his team can't perform well. Yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh's abysmal. The only guy that's really stood out to me is the guy they cut because he wanted pizza. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> that, is, that is the only Pittsburgh mauler that has ever made a headline on my Twitter feed this season. So for some context for the listeners that might not know what happened, um, it was during a banquet, I believe. Yeah, like, a and team, they were, like an introductory team dinner. They were serving I, I it was believe chicken it was, salad. It was chicken salad. They were serving chicken salad, and one of the players for Pittsburgh requested pizza. Well, no, because so – the. The, all right, so what it seems like the staff at the venue got pizza for themselves, and they were walking it back to their kitchen, and they went through where the players were. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, well, I see they have pizza back there. Can I have some of that? And then he was released. He basically requested wow. pizza over chicken salad, and the league was like, you're not allowed to do that. And it was the coach. The coach brought him in. He's like, what was this incident you had the other day? He's and it wasn't an incident at all. He handled that completely like, respectfully. He just wanted he to have pizza. At all, and, no. yet, and yet Sam Howell has a job with Washington. <laughs> you guys hear about this. Uh, Commander's rookie quarterback Sam Howell says he only eats chicken. He's never tried a burger or a steak and won't eat seafood. That's Grow a he orders <laughs> He orders chicken tenders at steakhouses and brings his own chicken tenders to team dinners. That's a up. That's, Grow up. That's abysmal. I'm I have, sorry. I have several cousins and nephews under the age of eight, and they have a more diverse diet than that. Yeah. Dude, I'm a picky eater, but like. Oh, I think I'm picky I, too, but. Grow I got a more up. diverse diet. Like, there's he's nothing better had, than steak. Matter of fact, I got some steak. He's never home. had a steak. He's steak never had a steak. Steak is the best food in the entire world. I don't care what anyone says. I'm talking can, to you, I can Jake rival Murray. that. He, I can rival that with one thing, but it's a it's a couple of things from Brazil. But like that's just Fair like, enough. Okay. I've never had Brazilian food. It's but. really good pastels. God, grow. He's going to be leading an NFL team. I, <laughs> I wouldn't like, say leading. He's no, going to be on the no, bench no, no, for no. I wouldn't see NFL team either because right. Washington is ugh. No, that Carson Wentz. Actually, I, you know I, what he might be. I never team. had a player that I rooted against until no. now. Yeah. Sam so the last team that we have is the Houston Gamblers. Uh, I like, there's a lot of players for as bad as they are, and even though I have them ranked last, there are a lot of good players on their defense that I'm impressed with, but I'm going to have to go with defensive end Chris Odom. He leads the league in five and a half sacks. He's been one of the most disruptive players and probably the most disruptive player, at least in terms of sacks in the league. Uh, do you guys have anyone else? I've got their running back. Uh, Mark Thompson, I think he's played absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he's got 400 yards, one touchdown on 84 attempts. And honestly, for a struggling team, that's very good. I mean, one of the top running backs in the league, no matter which way you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been producing. Unfortunately, though, they have been hitting the bumps in the road. They're struggling. They are the worst team in the league. Yeah. Stats-wise, unlike Tampa Bay, where I just don't like you. <laughs> um, and, yeah, that's all I have to say about them. They just got to get it together. I, I think they could if they could sort out the issues, but that remains to be seen. Yeah. A Houston player is not worthy of my praise. All I right. also can respect that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very egocentric. That but... does. I mean, they got, like I said, they got some good defensive players. I really like uh, Their uh, Donald Payne. When it comes linebacker. down to it, they just can't produce on offense that well. Yeah. Just a shame. But uh, for time constraints, um, <laughs> We can maybe touch on a few players that kind of leave us wanting a little bit more. Uh, I, I know we talked about this um, before we started recording, but uh, Kyle Sloter, Kyle Slaughter, Kyle Slaughter I, whatever, however you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah even though he's leading, dude, even though he's leading the league in, like, all these stats. Yeah. Your decision-making is terrible, and mm-hmm. you... <laughs> I need to contain myself. He is the prime yeah. example of how numbers lie. Exactly. No, he really is because it's like, he oh, is oh a look stat at this pattern. Yeah, he, he's leading in passing. And he's Jameis Winston. You look yeah, at no. it and you're like, 
It's nothing. Yeah, you're leading in all these, but you're a combination of Jameis Winston and Baker Mayfield. Because like, you've got the decision making of both. <laughs> I wouldn't call him a stat patter, but it just the stat sheet doesn't tell the whole tale with him. Like that's yeah. why like I just I, I will never read stats purely from a stat sheet because that doesn't tell the story. If you watch his film, it, it it's it's a full on pendulum swing. You know, you have some really high highs and some really low. And mm-hmm. I mean low lows. Agreed. Like, I believe against um the generals in the previous game, like I had mentioned, uh, he we went three straight passes in a row, and all three of his balls were thrown so poorly and so low that the defensive line just batted it down without jumping. Wow. So it's like... If, and he's if supposed to be one of the taller guys, isn't he? Yeah, and that's why I'm like... that. That's what I mean when I mean like he's like a combination of Jameis Winston and Baker Mayfield because the, yeah. the decision-making isn't great, and it's he's just not all 100% put together yet. Yeah, and it's kind of frustrating. Allow mm-hmm. me to defend the balls batted down take. So when you're a quarterback that's that tall and you run an offense that's that vertically centric, a lot of times you're going to be throwing in tight windows, and so your receivers are pretty much they're going to have like a split second to throw to them, and if you throw it like chest level, they will get clobbered by a linebacker or safety. So you have to put it low and on their back, like on their inside shoulder to protect them. So I think a lot of that is he's trying to protect his receivers. And, you know, since he is so tall, he has to he has to aim it low. And, you okay. know, that's how the line goes. I just want to provide so- – that doesn't count for all of them, but that could be like a sizable portion mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. And then speaking of other quarterbacks who I've been kind of underwhelmed with would be Pittsburgh Maulers quarterback Kyle Lauletta. Granted, I don't think he's played in every single game. Cleveland Browns legend, baby. <laughs> Cleveland Browns legend Kyle Lauletta. Uh, he does not have any pass touchdowns and a 47.3 completion percentage. Um, not very impressed with him. I think he does have a lot of upside, like I was saying, um, but you, you just want to see more out of him. Yeah. So that's another player who I've been kind of underwhelmed with. Anyone else kind of stand out to you guys? Yeah, honestly, Mike Weber. Yeah. yeah. He's on the practice squad. I mean, it's like we had high hopes for him going into the season that this would be the redemption I think everybody of Mike did. Weber. And yeah. he didn't even make the main roster. So yeah, that's a super, huge disappointment. Right. Maybe once the XFL kicks back up in uh, maybe 2023, or, maybe that'll be a place for him. Hopefully, because I, I want to see him suit up again, but it's just... I do, too. You can't make it in the USFL. I don't know what I don't know what to tell you. So many yeah. good young memories with him. It sucks to see just how it's, how, how it's unfolding for him now. Yeah. 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 So with that, let's talk playoffs now, which are coming... Up in uh, Canton, Ohio, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, if you didn't already know that. uh, That will be in uh, late June, and I think the championship game is July 3rd. July 3rd, yes. So that will be an exciting weekend uh, for everyone. We get to cover that, right? Uh, Hopefully. Yeah. Nothing official. I don't want to promise anything, but uh, we will definitely at least talk about it on here. We're going to talk about some USFL championship. So. Who do we have kind of making the, I believe there's only going to be four seeds because there's only eight teams, so rightfully so. So who are the four teams that we expect to make it up to the playoff round? So it's two from the north, two from the south, Yeah, I believe. And obviously you got to go with the Stallions and the Generals Mm -hmm. as the one seeds for their uh, divisions. Mm -hmm. And then second seed for the south, I have the Breakers. Yeah. Um. I believe the Breakers will be able to pick up where they left off. Yeah, they're in a little bit of a slump now, but they've always managed to shake off the tough losses. Yeah. And I'm gonna throw, I'm gonna throw the Stars in there for now, just because they're the only yeah. other North team that's not one and four. Yeah. Um. But I could still see Pittsburgh hitting a uh, mid-season high and bouncing back up to number two. Yeah, I have those exact same teams, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> only because, yeah, just with the Panthers and the Maulers, it's like they're just so far behind. And I, I guess if Kyle Lauletta kind of finds his groove again, maybe we could see the the Pittsburgh Maulers kind of climbing the standings. But the North, it's it's all the Generals pretty much leading that. And uh, the Stars, I have them just where they are at right now, probably going to fall backwards into the playoffs and then, Stallions and Breakers, I think that it's pretty much theirs. Um, Bandits, 
Maybe, but I think the Breakers I have a lot more upside. I think that's the only upside. real toss-up. Yeah. That it yeah. could be, it could be Bandits, it could be Breakers. But I think the Breakers, go. yeah, I think the Breakers are a lot better all around, and I think that they're going to end up maybe even taking the South. Maybe they end up uh, beating the Stallions, and Whoa. I, I don't know. Hope. I don't know. Whoa. Well, my championship, I, I do have the Breakers in the championship, Please. as yeah. well as the Generals. I would love to see a Breakers-Generals matchup for the first I would love that too because uh, that's what I have in the finals as well. So, yeah. wow, do you? Do you? Really? Yeah. So, guys, we have something different now. Finally. All right, let's get to the north. I'd like to congratulate the New Jersey Generals on advancing to the championship for free yeah. with a round one win over the Philadelphia Stars. In the south, we got the Stallions barely scraping by against Tampa, and Ooh. I'm going to give the first USL. USFL championship to the New Jersey Generals. Ooh, okay. First game, Birmingham's not going to be playing in front of their home crowd. It's going to go to New Jersey. All right. I like it. I like it too. I would love to see New Jersey there at the Hall of Fame Stadium and go celebrate on the Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. Snooky yep. and all them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm so excited for USFL playoff season because football. It's because right football, yeah, played right up here. Too. I've always wanted some sort of minor pro league to be playing at that stadium. It's a perfect size stadium, and I hope that the XFL would at least consider us because I know there's a couple teams moving around, and I know San Antonio's getting a team. I know, uh, I think Orlando's going to be uh, what the Tampa Bay Vipers were. Um, so there's a couple teams moving around. I don't think Canton's going to be one of them but I would I would hope that Ohio I know we talked about this in the last show I would, I would really hope like Ohio would get one yeah if it's not Canton then at least Columbus I don't yeah. see I don't think we get anything in the northeast just because we have so many other major sports like even like from Columbus yeah, but, to Cle- in Columbus to Cleveland we cover the MLS NHL MLB NBA and NFL not to mention we also cover well Coming up, we will also cover like the um, so, minor league of the MLS if, because of Akron yeah, City. If we were gonna, yeah. get, if if Ohio was going to get one, I think it'd go to Dayton or Toledo. Wow, interesting. I I only see two options. I could see maybe Cleveland for the same reason that Pittsburgh has a team, just because they are a you know already established mm-hmm. like football city. But I think that you either Columbus makes the most sense in terms of just sheer market size. It's the biggest city in Ohio. It's the middle of Ohio where, you know, if there's a team in Cleveland, chances are maybe Cincinnati fan or people in Cincinnati might not be a fan of it and vice versa. But Columbus encompasses all of Ohio. You know, you have Ohio state fans in Cincinnati and Cleveland. You have blue jackets fans in Cincinnati and Cleveland. And I think that that would make most sense if they want to try to get all of Ohio. But I also see Canton as being a good uh, location Since too. The Hall of Fame Stadium because, is already right there. Because the stadium is perfect. I'm, you know, I mean, Columbus has plenty of good options too. You got to think about it this way, though. McKinley has that. Like that's McKinley's football stadium. Like they have that. Like they have exclusive rights to that June through November. Well, so does Walsh. They share it with Walsh. But mm. also, you know, Canton would be perfect not only because the stadium, but because you're in the Cleveland TV market, which I believe is like ranked 18th in the entire country. Yeah. And you're, you, you have, even though it is a small city, mm-hmm. it is a very passionate football city. It's kind of like Green Bay. I always say that would be like the Green Bay of, of uh, minor pro football. And, you know, just because you have that Canton McKinley Massillon yeah. rivalry there, it's the birthplace of football. You're, you know, you're in the heart of Browns country. There's plenty of Steelers fans everywhere. It's, you know, I, I just feel like it would be a perfect location. That, that is a motto for Canton. The Green Bay of the XFL. I like yeah. it. I like it. I will also say that when the USFL does come up here, it will be the only time that Northeast Ohio will witness a football championship. Because <laughs> no. the Browns are no. never going to win this. We are not. We are not going. Ha, there. That was so funny. I have never heard that joke before. Allow me to laugh into the microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm we are, sorry, we are, but the truth does hurt. We are sometimes. not going there. So before we wrap things up here. I just kind of want to talk a little bit about the future of the league. Do we think that the USFL is going to last after this season? Do we think it's going to even last throughout the entire season, first of all? And how, like, what, what do we think the longevity is going to be like for the Honestly, USFL, given that the XFL is starting to pick things up again, too, and starting next year? 
Honestly, I don't know because going into week one, when we had our first episode, I was I had high hopes mm-hmm. for the USFL. Um, the first game went great. It was nationally, it had very good reviews, mm-hmm. brought in a lot of revenue. The stands were they were fairly decently filled for mm-hmm. the first um, inaugural game, but moving past that, the views and the revenue it dive bombed. They went from I believe it was a little over three and a half million uh, dollars brought in the first game mm-hmm. between people watching on TV. People being at the game, and then I believe the next game on Easter Sunday only brought in about $500,000, and it just continued to dip from there. Yeah. And it doesn't help the USFL that you only really have one true home team. Yeah. Whatsoever. Now, I like how they did that because the Stallions are like the only reason that I think the USFL is still afloat right now. Mm. Because without the Stallions, if it was just, um, a team from every city, take Birmingham out of the picture, say it was like Orlando, yeah. for example, the USFL would already be done. Mm-hmm. It would be done because they wouldn't have a location where there's at least one home team to establish a good fan base. Mm-hmm. I think they'll last till the end of the season. Outside of that, if they continue to do the bubble in Birmingham, I do not see this league surviving because they're already struggling enough. Yeah. And if you continue just to do the bubble, I do not see this working out. I just don't understand why they're doing the bubble. Was it because travel of- expenses, solely travel expenses? When you don't have a market, you can't afford to fly people around. You need to establish yeah. something and get like a baseline revenue. Okay, yeah, because I, I wasn't sure if that it was because like there were stadiums that still needed constructed, or if it was still like a COVID type of thing, but. I was just thinking it, it just seemed like the USFL was almost kind of rushed. You know, like the yeah. XFL, they've they've announced their plans that they're coming back, but they're taking their time. They're getting the right, you know, sponsors, investors, that kind of thing. And so be, because of how the XFL is planning things and because of, like, these partnerships that they're doing with the NFL, it makes me really question whether or not the USFL is going to last because it seems like the XFL has a much better long-term plan the xfl Mm -hmm. took their failures and learned from them it seems so far and they look more ready to take this back i do think the usfl they had some time to plan but this league basically announced they were coming back in october Mm -hmm. and they're already back into it normally when there's a league that's announced you normally will have to wait at least a year yeah for it to kick up like start up and get ready they did seem to rush this, but I mean, in terms of like sponsorships and TV deals, they've got really good deals yeah. going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's they just, if you're not drawing the fans out, because like I said, it's difficult for people that don't live in Birmingham to want to go to Birmingham to yeah. watch a game. Now, right. once they move out of that, if they ever do, and they move to the different cities, I think the revenue will go up. I because think so too. It's, a, it's an affordable football game to go through in the springtime. Mm-hmm. It's $10 for a ticket. I believe kids 12 and under get in for free. Mm-hmm. It's a great family thing that they've got going on. It's just, yeah. can they survive long enough to get out of Birmingham? And I don't know if they can right now. If you keep the Birmingham bubble, you have to drop the other cities. Like, you can't have a team from New Jersey, but they're based in Birmingham, and then expect the New Jersey audience to want to follow that. Yeah. You've got to start expanding. I think the real test for them will be when they come to Canton for the championship games. I think that'll be the big test because more people from a different area will be coming to this game, not just Birmingham. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's going to be a big thing of, okay, now it's a little bit easier. There's more stuff to do around here that people could, you know, honestly be like, oh, let's take a trip, go to Cleveland, go to Canton. Yeah. It widens that. To where I think the USL can bring in more money during the championship game than they will just being stationed in Birmingham. Because also, everybody in Northeast Ohio, everybody up here loves football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's like the biggest thing because we don't have our own team. And so once they come here, you know, if everybody's they, if they got get a different a, team. Yeah, depending on how big their audience is, that kind of, you can kind of gauge the national general interest of right. the, of the USFL because if no one's going to show up to Tom Benson Stadium here in Ohio then, then you've got a problem yeah and then you have to start exploring 
how are we going to get out of this? Right. But if people do, then that shows you, okay, there is an interest in this league. You need to start expanding outside of the Birmingham bubble because yeah. it's just not working. I've seen my old high school stadium, a D7 football program, more full when we hadn't won a game in four years straight, more <laughs> full on a Friday night yeah. than I've seen during a Saturday night Birmingham, or not Birmingham, um, like any New Jersey other, any other Breakers team game. Name. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen more fans at peewee football games, mm-hmm. truthfully. And yeah, yeah. they need to, like I said, they need to focus on something else because they're doing a great job of promoting it. They've got good deals, but they yeah. just can't get out of the bubble, and that's what's hurting them right now. Right. And yeah, and I, I also think one thing that kind of, I kind of briefly touched on this at the beginning was right now you are in the heart of playoff season for the NHL and the NBA, and you have baseball starting up. Um, even MLS is really growing now, so that's another thing you're kind of competing with. I feel like this league would be, I, I don't know, I, I feel like it would be better if they waited at least a month to start, mm-hmm. so then you can still catch the NBA and NHL playoffs and then watch. Why? And I think they put up like week two against the Masters. Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. the second week so of the season. So you have a lot like, of biggest, competition. My biggest wonder is if the reason they're doing this in the spring is you got to think of some of the locations of where these teams might end up being mm-hmm. if the bubble ends. Yeah. Because there is no way you're going to want to play a football game outside in June in New Orleans. Yeah. No, no. There's no way. So I'm wondering if they set this up like this that way by the time the full force of summer goes in that the playoffs will already be going on but up here. Yeah. So it kind of saves that whole thing because there's some serious health problems that can come with playing that far down in the south in the middle of the summer for football. Yeah. No, I think a I think a big part of this is too. They end the first week of July. NFL training camp start the end of July. If you have players that stand out and they want to, you know, make the jump to the league, it's a lot, you know, it's better planning than, you know, okay, at the end of the season, you know, you're losing A, B and C to the uh NFL. Whereas just like week 6 on a th- like a Thursday, it's like, "Hey coach, like uh uh Carolina just signed me to a th- like to the like a, a practice squad deal. See ya." Like Yeah. Yeah. I also yeah, think the NFL should too. take Better advantage. Gateway. I mean, they kind of have with sending refs to the USFL mm-hmm. for, like, development, so I understand that. But I think what the NFL should be doing is, like, they need to have a partnership with the USFL. Not, I don't say, like, in the same way that they will with the XFL. Yeah. Like, I want them to have some sort of a partnership to where, like, both can benefit. Yeah. Because I think the USFL, they will greatly benefit from the NFL. I agree. And the NFL, I think, can greatly benefit from the USFL mm-hmm. because not only are you seeing all these new players that people might not have heard of that are now standing out, they might have a chance to make it to the league, but also you're seeing all these different rule changes that you could, might be able to start thinking, okay, what if we applied this in our rule book? What if we started doing some of these things? What if we started adding in the cameras and the different touches they have for their announcers and yeah, the ball, like how the ball automatic is like a thing inside of it that knows if it's a first down or not instead of having to measure it. I think both leagues could benefit from this. It's just an if they would do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree because I and to me it seems like the USFL they kind of want to remain like an independent entity kind of thing whereas the XFL is, is kind of accepting the fact that terrible they're going to be yeah. By the USFL not the XFL. Yeah, the XFL is kind the of XFL accepting that right. they're like the USFL there's yeah. a reason it failed. Mhm. In the 80s. And it was already kind of failing before, like, we had talked about the whole thing with our former president when he yeah. tried to sue the NFL and everything. But if you want to remain neutral as a football league, you cannot do it oh, in America no. whatsoever. No. There's no way. You will get beat up by the NFL because no matter how big and powerful the NFL is, any other football league that comes up in America, they view as a threat. And mm. they do not care how small your market might be. They will beat you out of it so fast. Yeah. So that's why they need to partner more other than just we're going to send refs down. Yeah. They need to have more of a partnership because you cannot compete with the NFL at all. Now, if we're talking in the 70s or 80s, maybe. Yeah. Very big maybe because the USFL did kind of put up some good numbers when it first was initially founded. But -hmm. if we're talking today – you can't. Not a chance. You're, there's no way you're no. beating out the NFL ever. Now, hear me out here. 
crazy scenario that benefit both parties. That's a complete hypothetical that I came up with this morning. All right. All right. What's the point of what's the point of playing in the USFL? To uh, hope that you're that go you get to, good enough to go to go the NFL. Go to the yeah. NFL. Right. If you're Roger Goodell, you're looking at your league and you have the most profitable sports league in the world. And you start putting games across the globe. Like, you're you're going to Germany this year. You're going to Mexico City. You're going to uh, London a couple times. You want to put some teams there. Yet you don't think some players would be all too prone to just drop everything and go play football in Europe. Yeah. But now you have at least eight franchises of guys that have made it their sole goal to go to the NFL. I guarantee you the Michigan Panthers would drop everything and go to Berlin if it means they could they could be NFL players. And Roger Goodell could then put two international divisions. He could have a European division and a South American division. I NFL like it. I really do like it. So it'd Might be, be a lot like NFL Europe. Well, yeah. no, but they're in the NFL. Like, it's an NFL division. Like so. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, so. Yeah. That would be okay. interesting because then that would add a whole nother depth of income for the NFL. Yeah. They could benefit off of because a lot of other countries are very intrigued by right. American football. And so, yeah. hear me. This would kind of make sense if you extend the season by two weeks. So you give teams cut out a preseason game, give teams three bye weeks. All right, you have your European division. Let's say there's a team in Germany, team in France, Spain, uh, England. You send one division over at a time. So let's say the AFC North would go to Europe, like. You know, the Ravens play the uh, the team in France, the Bengals play in Spain, Browns play in Germany, uh, Steelers play the other one. And then for that month, you switch around. So the AFC North plays four away games in Europe, come back home with a bye week. And then, then the European teams come to America, play one division like like, like interchangeably. Mm-hmm. I think that'd work. Hire me, I think Roger I think it would work, and Roger Goodell would definitely like that idea because that means more money in his pocket. Oh, yeah, he would love that. I actually don't. I actually like that idea because I could actually like I would really, extend football for like almost all year, no matter I, how you look at it. Yeah, I would not have to, to mention that you could the, also see some very new and interesting Super Bowl matchups. Yeah, like if they did that, you like could have 20 a Super years Bowl internationally too. You like, could, and yeah. that would be huge. I think that if they did that. Because so many other countries, like I said, are so intrigued by American football mm-hmm. that genuinely, this might sound like a stretch. If there was an international Super Bowl, I think it could pull more televised views than the World Cup. Ooh, and I'm like looking to put the US's that on interest that. a lot more, at least. But I don't. I would have to think of the like logistics of that because I mean, it does sound good on paper. I'm just kind of wondering, like. There's no way the CBA signs off on that. There's no. no way. There's no way you convince like, hey Cleveland, you're gonna spend the entire month of November in Europe and you're gonna like it. Yeah. Like, see, I wouldn't mind. Now if they did like an NFL Europe thing, but they did that during the spring. That wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. The only problem is you wouldn't have your American market because of the time difference. That is true. So, yeah. You know, think a uh, one. Well, PM- what you could do is, is then in um, and like preseason instead of playing. All just NFL teams. You send them over to Europe for like one week pregame. Well, no, but they play regular game. season games internationally too. Like if you're gonna, which I really am not a fan of because See, I don't mind that they're trying to expand the market and get the interest back. They, out yeah, there. I get sold it, out but every game, I would, I would almost rather see. You know, you know how they add that seventeenth game. I think that that extra game should have been a neutral game. I think that it should be like. I'm trying to think of a good one. Like maybe maybe Dallas and Houston play each other in San Antonio, or okay, oh, I see what you're saying. Site. Or okay. yeah, like a, like or, a neutral site, or get or, like the Eagles and the Steelers to play at Beaver Stadium, like meet yeah. right in the middle and play there. Or I, you know, if I know I know how much you guys do not do not like Baker Mayfield, but hypothetically, if he was on the Browns, mm-hmm. you get the Cardinals and the Browns to play in, in Norman, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Oh my gosh. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you I have actually a lot like that. of you have a lot of really good like not only big that, cities. but another thing you could do too is take like the Lions and the Browns, or the Lions and the Bengals, and play at the Big House. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That that would like be the, awesome. Or Browns, Bengals, the shoe. Yeah, exactly. 
That would that would be Ooh. awesome. I would love to see Roger that. Roger Goodell, I know you're listening. And I would rather <laughs> hire all three of us yes. right now. And I would rather see that than have him play it. Well, I, I guess Mexico City is not terrible. That's kind of cool. Within our it's within our time zone. I just don't like having to get up at like 8 a.m. on a Sunday. I also don't like the teams they send because they normally send the worst teams in the entire yeah, like, league like to go Vikings play. Like Vikings and Jags right. or you know. Also, interesting fact: Kyle Pitts has never caught a touchdown in the United States. In the NFL. Wow. In the NFL. Professionally, he's only caught touchdowns in, overseas. Yep, in Europe. Really? Hey, maybe he should be on the founding roster there of you go. the the London Royals. So yeah, we had a lot of a lot of good things to talk about on this podcast today. Some USFL uh, playoffs uh, coming up here soon. The season's already halfway over, so I'm excited to see how the rest of the season Come plays out. out. To the Hall of Fame Stadium. Yes. Catch the championship and the playoffs. Come Absolutely. in the end of yes, June, sir. early uh, July. It'll be so much fun to watch. Watch these guys take the field. Get a good crowd out. Watch the Breakers win the championship. Go Breakers! Oh. Go Breakers, that's oh, for yeah. sure. So that just about does it here for us at SBT Overtime. My name is Dan Groen. I'm Patrick Weber. And I'm Matt Permuka. And be sure to subscribe to the SBT Overtime podcast if you haven't already done so. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports and tune into Sports Power Talk on 88.1 WZIP every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. If you miss the latest Sports Power Talk, you can catch it on the SPT Rewind podcast. So be sure to subscribe to that as well. Again, that does it here for us at SPT Overtime. Thank you for listening and go Breakers.